so this is the, what, inaugural 2.0 of the Dead Dads Club podcast. We tried doing this, or I tried doing this with my friend, oh God, two years ago when it first happened, like yeah. immediately after it first happened. I think we recorded it in like May. Uh, not the greatest idea. Um, it was too soon? I guess. You know, I didn't really realize how hard it was going to hit me. Because, you know, I didn't have a good relationship with my father, obviously. And it just seemed like, okay, it's whatever. It's not a big deal. Like, I'm just gonna, you know, do this. And maybe talking about it will help me somehow. And it just, it was difficult in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, just finding time to record anything and you know finding time to talk about it became difficult and so it just became something where we just didn't ever do it again yeah it was like oh here's this one-time thing and actually the only reason I thought about it again was because one of my friends was like I actually really liked that podcast and I like would like to see it again and I was like oh shit well okay I guess we should try and like absolutely you know as if I don't have enough things going on trying to do a second channel and you know the main podcast which this is going to be a crossover for so I can kind of kill two birds with one stone but um so yeah um welcome this is my mother hello um I wanted to do it with my mother this time around because obviously you also are part of the dead dads club you lost your father at 24 20 24. Okay, 24. Um, so you understand it that way. But I think you and I share a particularly, I don't want to say dark experience with old man, but definitely we have, uh, I mean, we dealt with him together for yes. many years. You obviously dealt with him first, but um, we certainly have had to deal with him for many, many years. And so I got to thinking about it and I was like, I think the only way to really heal from this is to like deal with the shit he put us through and acknowledge it and talk about it and all of that. And, um, but you know what I learned? I realized when he died mm -hmm. that we were kind of in a different place. You know, I had yeah. already forgiven him for all the, most of the crap that he put me through, Yeah, but it's still, you know, had that own version of PTSD, mm -hmm. but it also let me realize that for years, as sad as I was when my dad died, mm -hmm. he put us in our own shit too. Yeah. You know, him being a fierce drinker, mm -hmm. we one today would call an alcoholic. Yeah. But, you know, he did stop before he died. Mm -hmm. um, but there was the guilt of how could I be angry at this man? Yeah. He was my father. Yeah. Yet he drank, you know, he died of cancer because he couldn't stop smoking. Mm -hmm. But it's like you wanted to go, well, he gave up drinking, mm -hmm. you know, smoking is his other addiction. Mm -hmm. We can't force him to do both, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And, um, but I had to go through a lot of pain for that. And, I kind of went through um, feelings about my relationship with him and your father at mm -hmm. the same time mm -hmm. because there was a lot of similarities yeah. when there is such a uh, tumultuous relationship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I certainly, I certainly know the, you know, and I think unfortunately 
we as a society like to do this thing where we say like, you know, oh, well, they're your parents. So you have to forgive them. Like you have to eventually be okay with whatever they put you through and accept it and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's very unhealthy. I, I don't, I don't think you shouldn't forgive them for you mostly is why you should forgive them because it's, you know, they're dead. They don't fucking care. It's not going to matter to them any. I don't care if you do believe in heaven or hell or anything else. It still doesn't change the fact that they're dead. They're kind of off the hook. It really has to be about you dealing with it because you're the one who has to live with it. But you have to be able to grieve it however you want to. No, I know. So there could be the anger. There could be the sadness. And it's like a mix of emotions. Right. And I saw you go through it. Yes. And well, what I meant was eventually you have to be able to forgive them for your course. own peace of I mind. I thought I had forgiven my dad. Yeah. You know, I remember mentally, you know, not mentally, but literally writing a letter, mm -hmm. you know, saying I that. I did that I too. Him. Yes. Um, because they say it's healthy to write your feelings out, mm -hmm. either read it out loud or read it to someone mm -hmm. and then burn it. Yeah. And the burning supposed to justify releasing the pain. Yes. And I believe in it. Yeah. Because there was so much that I forgave my dad, but it was more for the drinking, but not yeah. for the whole everything. Mm -hmm. So going through the stuff with your dad made other things come up. Yeah. But... But again, that was my journey of yeah. what I needed to go through yeah. to go back and forgive everything mm -hmm. and even forgive John for everything he put me through. Yeah. And, you know, there's still things that come up. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to let go of it. One of the things I heard recently that really stuck out to me was healing is not a linear journey. Okay. And I feel like that has been especially true for us. And mourning, I don't think, is a linear journey either. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you were saying forgiving your father for everything he put you through and forgiving old man for everything he put us through. It's interesting because, of course, it comes in waves because, you know, it's not linear. You, re you don't think about certain things and then just something randomly it pops into your head and you're like, Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yes. Or I didn't think about that. Yes. Especially with, you know, our childhoods being what they were. We don't exactly for lots of reasons. We don't remember a lot of things in our childhood. And that yes. unfortunately means that when you do randomly remember them, you're like, Oh fuck. Okay. Guess we have to deal with this now. I think one of the biggest things that I didn't address and I had to address, I was so I mean, there was five of us mm -hmm. after my mother died and, you know, ranging from my age nine mm -hmm. up on to 16 mm -hmm. that were real reeling over the loss of our mother so unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And so what does my father do? He just, not only does he drink, he mm -hmm. takes it to the next level yeah. and then we become the parents. Yeah. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm hmm but it was like, you had to, you had to move in survival mode. Yeah. You had to go, we got to get to the other side of this somehow. Yeah. yeah. And so and that's how it is. You know, we had to take over that. And, and so I don't think I addressed it because, you know, I was not just so much angry mm -hmm. that, um, he drank more. It was the fact that I just feel that, you know, why did my mom drink so much? Mm -hmm. Why did my mom take medication and drink at the same time. Mm -hmm. Again, 
It's not on her death certificate. Yeah. But no. we know. Yeah. You don't combine the two. No. And so that had to have played some part in it. Mm-hmm. And why did he let her drink when he knew she was taking medication? Yeah. Well, I think back in that day and age, you really didn't yeah. think he about it. smoke while she was pregnant with us. Yeah. And you it's didn't, like, it wasn't a thing you <clears throat> thought about. I mean, but people every day, you know, especially celebrities, a lot of them drink and take all kinds of pills. And some of them, exactly. And some of them don't get to live. Yeah. And some of them live for a very long time and then finally it catches up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And I think that's just kind of the reality. And, you know, I don't know how long your mother was doing that before, you know, it caught up with her. I remember, you know, like I, I think I told you this one time, I remember seeing her open the medicine chest and I remember there being maybe six different medications. I just thought it was normal. Yeah. You know, I didn't look at it and go, why is my mom taking all this medication? Mm -hmm. I was seven probably at the time going, you know, she takes her medication and she puts on her makeup, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm watching the whole process. Yeah. And I I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it just seemed normal. I mean, it's the same thing when my mom and dad got in screaming matches. Mm -hmm. I thought all parents yelled and fought. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. It was just my reality. I didn't go to my friends and go, oh, my dad laid into my mom last night. You just didn't talk about it. No. Well, people still don't. And, you know, it's interesting because that is kind of a thing is that when it becomes your normal, it's just how you see the world. And I remember, you know, you talked about this Um, you've talked about this personally, that when your mother died and you went back to school, you felt like an outcast because nobody understood, like not having a parent. Exactly. They treated me like I was a leper. Yeah. And it's like, and you literally were like, am I the only one? Yeah. You literally didn't because she was 42 years old. Mm -hmm. When you're a kid, that sounds old. Yeah. But when you're there or past it as I am now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, 42 was the hardest, one of the hardest age. And I thought it was just me until I talked to my sisters and brothers. Yeah. They're like, and they've all passed 56. Yeah. Which was my dad's age. Yeah. And I still have one more year and I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel so much, you know, since I've passed 42 with Mm -hmm. no worries, Mm -hmm. you know, none of us have had any history of cancer. Yeah. You know, his was lung cancer. Yeah. You know, you smoke since the time you were 15. Yeah. And being a volunteer fireman. Oh, yeah. That definitely played a factor. That. I think the thing I've learned and the thing I try and remind myself, and this is no disrespect to you, but the thing I have to constantly remind myself is I'm not my parents. Yeah. I, you know, as much as we look alike and as much as we have been through similar-ish things, Mm -hmm. we are not the same person. And so your experience is not my experience and you know, old man's experience is not my experience. And so that's kind of what I have to remind myself and not, you know, focus on like, you know, he was 54 when he died. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like in the beginning with my mom being that they said on her death certificate, um, natural causes. Yeah. Okay. That makes you go, okay, natural causes. Mm -hmm. But then when you stop and realize you know, it took time, but I started going, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. If you're not supposed to take the two of these, this doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we find out after she has the five of us, she has the epilepsy mm-hmm. episodes. 
So you're like, okay, that's not good. Yeah. We don't know if she had an epileptic attack when she died. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I wasn't there. And so, yeah, I get it. But it's it's different when you're going through it. Mm-hmm. You know, how old was old man? 54? Yes, he was 54. Oh. I was 27. Okay. So maybe as you get up, maybe your thoughts of life and death will be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You might go, hmm, am I going to pass their age? Well, what's funny is I remember when I was a teenager, I was just so... And I'm talking about this in my most recent video, but I remember because I had seen so much like stories of queer people getting killed, I really didn't have a good hope that I was going to survive for a very long time. I was just pretty convinced that I was... I was devastated when you told me. I know. Just know, I know I'm going to die young. I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's not really fair to say, but it was just... You know, it was born out of a fear. I didn't think I was going to survive because I didn't get to see queer people living and being happy. That wasn't the narrative we get to see. And so when you see that, you think, well, and especially as a trans woman, I'm like, well, let's get used to it now. I mean, now here in 2020, there was just a woman yesterday. It happens all the time. And the average, what I think they said the average age a trans woman lives to is maybe mid thirties. And that's, you know. The point of all of that was to say that, you know, unfortunately, you know, when I was a teenager, I kind of just accepted that I wasn't going to, you know, survive that long. And as I get older, I'm like, well, I am surviving and I would like to keep surviving. And so there is that increasing fear, which is odd to me because I didn't have that for a long time. And then it came up and I'm trying to like, you know, work through that again. But, um, well, one of the things not to circle back for a second, but one of the things I was trying to say is when you were talking about, um, you know, how they, how children viewed you after, and, you know, after your mom died, I remember, you know, for years being in private school, I was the only child of divorce. I know. So I just assumed like, Oh, I guess it's just me. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Holly technically counts, but, um, you know, for me, it was like, I was like one of the only people I knew who was a child of a single parent. All of my friends had both of their parents and they were both very happy and very together. And it was just, you know, I I felt very straight and no one was necessarily rude about it, but it did feel very weird because it was like everyone I knew had both parents. And I was like, "Uh, okay, (laughs) you know, I I had old man when he was married, when he remarried, but you know, he never really felt like a parent to me, certainly. And, you know, as much as I adored my stepmother, really, you know, that wasn't a thing either. So it was like, it wasn't the same. You know, you were the primary parent. I knew you. We were always close. But it was odd to be like, you know, you feel like the odd one out when you're in a situation where you're the only one like you. Yeah. And it was the same thing in high school when I was you know, the only one who was openly gay. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yes, but they treated you like a god. Well, then, but, you know, <laughs> then it, and it was funny because being in public school, it was more normal to have friends that were from, you know, parents of divorce. Yes, because on the flip side, my nephew said in high school, because it was public school, they thought that they were... They were treated weird because their parents were still married. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Cats said the same thing. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's, 
it's so strange how different things, and you wouldn't think, I mean, I guess maybe it's me, I wouldn't think that a private school would make that much of a difference, but I guess because it's Catholic school, yeah, you know, you can't do the divorce thing, and I'm sure you were, God, if this had been any other decade than where we were, I imagine divorcing your husband, you would have been looked very down upon. But to be the good Catholic, I did go speak to a priest. Yeah. And he said, due to my circumstances, I absolutely was right to get out. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it. That's what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. But being the whole thing with, you know, my mom dying and me being so young, you know, it was the seventies. Yeah. It, it was like divorces were just starting to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, people were staying in marriages, mm-hmm. even if they weren't in love anymore. Mm-hmm. You just didn't get a divorce. Yeah. But in the 70s, late 60s, mm-hmm. that started changing. Mm-hmm. And so slowly people were going through divorce. I had a good friend that lived next door to us and their parents were going through a divorce. And um, so it was like we had that connection in a different way. The parents were split up or one was passed on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It was just your life. Yeah. And, um, but it's even like, if you think about media, like even to this day, you barely see single parents in advertising. Yeah. You almost right? never see single parents. Right. And it's so odd to me because it's like, I feel like that's just, you know, more common than people realize, but you almost never oh. see it. You almost never see, you know... I mean, TV shows, it's a little more common, but, you know, still to this day, it's very rare to see a a single parent. I mean, look how much we celebrate when we see a commercial where it's um, same sex and interracial. Oh, yeah. It should be something that's been years and years ago. Yeah, exactly. That we have to sit there and go, oh, my God, did you see it? Yeah, yeah. And, oh, did it stay on the commercial? Yeah. Or did someone say, get that off? Yeah, yeah. You know, because you see it flooded and then you don't see it anymore and you're like wait what yeah yeah fully that Ugh, but you know it's interesting because there is that sort of you know similarity that we have in those ways about you know our childhoods and things that we went through that were you know you I know you had said you didn't ever want me to go through and unfortunately you don't control that you know and it gets especially with divorce, it gets very, very messy. And with my father, it got particularly messy. And the thing that was so crazy is, you know, knowing how long that my parents smoked. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, what, how many years do you think old man smoked? And then to get COPD. Yeah. I don't know if my dad would have eventually got COPD, but, you know, I, I, lung cancer is like, obviously, both of them are a killer. Yeah, yeah. And literally... They say your year expectancy is, what, five years, did he say? I thought he said less than that, but yeah, something like five and years. And he literally died with in that five-year time frame. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's like... And I remember when he first got diagnosed with COPD, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I knew what it meant. But, you know, again, he was always the one that had that negative Nelly attitude going, yeah. I don't care if I die, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, you know, and you're everything like, with and him. He stopped smoking. I mean, for him, everything, he was, the thing that always killed me about him, and, you know, I'm someone who certainly dealt with a lot of negativity myself, just in my own, you know, mental, whatever, like, that's just who I was. Um, It always drove me crazy, because for him, like, pretty much once he hit 40, he might as well have been dead. Yeah. 
he gave up on everything. We did. And it, you know, it always drove me crazy. And I know that, you know, I don't know. I, I personally don't understand it. And I know that like, I have my own struggles with or had in the past with, you know, being about to be 30 and you know, how that feels very pressure. There's like a pressure there for me or there was. How do you say had? You fell into freaking gray hair and almost had a heart attack. I did not. I just said, (laughs) oh, look. I I was just shocked. I didn't expect it. (laughs) I don't think anyone ever expects it. They don't. Well, I'm not quite 30, so I thought it was a little soon. But I was like, "Uh, given this year, I don't fucking... (laughs) But I will say one of the thing, one of the reasons I wanted to do this again for real was not just because someone had suggested it, but also because I feel like this situation has made me very introspective and it probably has for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's just made me think a lot about like just everything that's going on right now and not just death in terms of like, you know, that it's looming over everyone, but also just the fact that like, you know, this is a, this is a very strange time and a very kind of scary time. And, you know, it just makes you think about everything and time just feels very, very strange. And we just talked about it the other day. This has aged me. Oh yeah. And it's aged a lot of people. Yeah. They feel like that literally it's been what, seven months since this pandemic started. Um, and we literally feel like it's February. Been 10 so years. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so hilarious. Someone said, um, they were like imagining a college class in like 20 years and they're like, Oh, you studied history. What did you study? And then they like, I majored in October 5th or the 10th. And they're like, Oh, did you study anything specific during that time? Cause that's such a broad range. And it's so funny because October 5th, well, like I think October 1st, excuse me, but you know how this, this week in particular has been wild as hell. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you think about like February, February was literally six years long. No, it started March, March 13th, I think was my last day at Red Lobster before we shut down. Well, February was when it was starting and then March really, March really hit the fan. We're like, wait, Mm -hmm. what? What are they saying? Because I don't know how young you were when the SARS epidemic came It was out. right after 9-11. And so what I was, was the like other one? 11 or 12. Uh, so, well, swine flu came not long after, yeah. but SARS was first, then bird flu. Yes. So all of them seemed to be happening other places. Yes. Yes. It didn't seem to reach over. Mm-hmm. So when we first heard about coronavirus, mm-hmm. we're like, okay. As well, long as it's because not it's, near us. It's called, it's part of the SARS which virus. Is, yes. But they didn't know that at first, did no, they? No, no. They learned that recently. So we're like... Well, not recently, but... Well, it's not going to come over here. Yeah. Or it's just going to be a two or three week thing. Mm-hmm. It, Au contraire. It, it, did, it did feel very... Especially, you know, I remember seeing people like on Tumblr and stuff who were like, my generation lived through 9-11, swine flu, bird flu, SARS, uh, fucking an epidemic of... Uh, what was that thing that Ebola mm-hmm. for a while there? Like we lived through a ton of shit. So like, this is whatever, like we're, we're not scared of this. And then it started getting real and we're like, Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Put yeah. on the brakes. Yeah. It, it became very, very real. And I think 
what really just like stopped the presses is when we went on the strip. Yeah. Because, you know, being from Vegas and knowing you're in a 24 seven town yeah, and you go on the strip and it is dead. dead at like, you know, nine or 10 at night. So it's like early and mind you, we were driving. It's not like we were just walking. No. Although I do know people who have walked it and, you know, wore masks and all that, but it's, it's very strict because we didn't even really stop after the shooting. Yeah. I mean, that casino kind of shut down a little bit. Yeah. But we kept going. We kept trucking. Nothing yeah. takes us down. We've yeah. had, I don't know how many threats every New Year's that yes. we could be the next yes. 9-11. Well, and after 9-11 especially. Yeah. Because of the New York, New York. Yeah. But no, but they, they still. concerns about They that. still. I think are always kind of a little oh, sure. iffy, sure. but you know, you keep going and this is a place, you know, we're very much like New York where the city, we're the second city that never sleeps, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very odd to see everything just stop. The, like the lights are on, but nobody's, nobody's home. home. <laughs> <laughs> very yeah. that. Yeah. The lights are on, but nobody's home. And it's scary. Because you're just like, this feels Remember how so we used to surreal. write, what was that show we used to watch? Life uh, After People. Life After People. It's That's very what it that. felt like. Well, it's not, it's like, it's not oh. quite because there aren't just cars parked in the middle of the street. Although <laughs> that would very much be. But you know what's funny is to this day, there are times when I go out, if I go out to a store or whatever, and I'm, you know, everyone's wearing masks. It feels like some sort of horror movie in which this happened, you know, I saw Contagion when it came out and I remember thinking, God, this is so funny. You kept stupid. walking around and talking about that. And I, I was like, hated what are you it. Talking about? I hated it so much. It was so annoying. And then to be living it, it's even more annoying to be honest. Like when you're, when you're living that nightmare, it's like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? And like, it's, but it's worse because at least they had a semi-competent president in that film, I believe. I don't remember. It's been so long. I saw it when it was in theaters and I never saw it again because I hated it. And I was tempted because a lot of people started talking about it after this started. I was really tempted to watch it again. And then I was like, I don't think I have the strength because I think HBO Max has it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, maybe I should watch this. And I'm like, I don't need to give myself more anxiety. Like, no. this is not... I, like, I'm... <laughs> I've been doing pretty well up to this point. I'd like to not push it. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like, you know, this is such a ridiculous time period that we are in. Mm -hmm. Not just because like, I think it's, it's a very double-edged sword, right? Because obviously, you know, the pandemic part of it is terrible, but I feel like in a weird way, it started this like renaissance of talking about issues that we've kind of buried under the rug for a long, long time, especially with regards to, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And I feel like this is completely off track from Dead Dad's Club, but I feel like it's in a way it's made things, it's made us, it's forced us to look at things that we otherwise really tried hard to ignore. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I don't want to say a silver lining, but it's definitely something that's... I think when you're at a point where everybody is 
seeing how close life and death is, mm -hmm. you know, you have to start standing up and caring for things. Yeah. Things that you know are wrong. Yeah. And saying, you know what? Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So it forces us to change things, but that's a good thing. Yeah. It's well, something that should have always been. Yes. But very that. I think it was also the fact that like, as a lot of people pointed out, you didn't have really the distraction of work. You didn't have the distraction what? of everything else that we can kind of do to, you know, you can't really go out anywhere. You can't, you know, go, you can't go to a club or a bar or something like that. You sure. know, a lot of people have different things that they can sort of hide themselves around to We're ignore. We're drinking at home. Yeah. To ignore what's going on. Yeah. But now it's like. Well, more people are watching have, the news because they want yeah. to see what's happening with the pandemic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um. And you, you know, you can't hide from it anymore. No. And it, it's strange because it's very much like, you know, it, it feels like how, you know, you, we know with the trans community, it's like the more visibility you have on this subject, the more you seem to hear about trans people getting killed. And it feels like the more visibility Black Lives Matter gets, the more, despite everything, the police just feel more emboldened and it just gets... You know, it continues to be a cycle of just ridiculousness. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what I see or have seen in the past is like people were walking around like they weren't afraid of anything. Mm -hmm. So something like this pandemic goes, ha! Yeah. Guess again, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's We're going to take you out. Yeah. We're going to take your parents out, yep. your children, your yep. grandparents. Yeah. When, when you think about like the flu of 1918, that pandemic. Spanish, yeah. Were, well, we're not going to say that because oh. it didn't start in Spain. That's the problem. Oh. Very much like how I apologize. you can't call coronavirus the China virus because even if it started. I never. I know you didn't, but yeah. I'm saying no one should. Because even though it may have started there, that's not how that works. We all know that. And anyway. Someone who shall be nameless, Voldemort. Yeah. Trump. Yeah. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Shit. I hate you were talking words. about the 1918 oh, right. flu. The, I remember hearing a story about someone who, they had like 11 brothers and sisters. They were the only one who survived oh, yeah. of their entire yeah. family. I mean, and I'm sure that's happening now. We're just not hearing about it. I was, I, I did hear a story on the news of someone who, within like, a few months lost their mother, their sister. And you know, that's rough. I mean, some people were so adamant that it wasn't real. They're I still mean, adamant. Families were dying mm -hmm. because they insisted on having a barbecue or a birthday yeah. party. Yep. It's like, oh, hello. Yeah. It's, I think certain people don't have the capacity to fully comprehend it. It's partly selfishness. I do think, and it's partly a privilege because they don't have to think about it. Yeah. And I think for some people, it's just, you know, it, I think it's very much, here's what it is. You remember how Terry was when her mother was in the hospital and dying. Oh, yeah. And how she, she had had the privilege of having her mother up into her, what, 50s was Terry when her mother died? Yes, I believe so. Late 50s. Yeah, late 50s. So she couldn't fathom a world in which her mother was not alive. Yes. And you as a person who lost your mother at nine 
that's all you knew. Yeah. So for you, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? You're trying to keep this woman here for you and your selfish reasons. And she's suffering. Yeah. And I exactly. literally said, how dare you? Yeah. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. If you know a family member, a friend, whoever, mm-hmm. that is suffering from mm-hmm. an illness, she had stomach cancer. Yeah. And you can't say goodbye. She would yeah. say, see you tomorrow. See yeah. you later. No, 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 no. She is holding on for you. Mm-hmm. Her own husband, who was married to her for over 50 years, mm-hmm. knew that he had to say goodbye. Yeah. And as soon as she said it, as soon as I got it through her thick skull, <laughs> that very night, yeah. she let go. Yep. I said to her, you need to go. Mm-hmm. We will take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And you need to go. Mm-hmm. You've done all your time. Mm-hmm. You've taken care of everyone. Mm-hmm. Now you go and, you know, yeah. get your well-deserved rest yeah. out of this pain. Yeah. And she died. Mm-hmm. And I knew that she waited for me mm-hmm. because she knew how devastated I was that both my parents died without any warning. Yeah. And she knew how much that devastated me. Yeah. And I think she waited because, you know, backtrack us, you know, a minute because mm-hmm. we really haven't talked about your gram gram. Mm-hmm. But we promised her when she went into the hospital because she was deathly afraid mm-hmm. that one of us would spend the night every yeah. night. So we all took turns. Yeah. And I'm going to say it, this went on for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And the night that she passed away was my turn. Yeah. And... I remember, remember, I think I told you the story. It was probably like three o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. and I was laying on the floor Mm -hmm. and literally I felt someone like hit me and I'm like, huh? (laughs) And there was nobody there. Yeah. And then I look up and there was a nurse over by, um, Graham Graham. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And, uh, he's like, um, it's going to be any time. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking for a second for what? (laughs) And then I'm like, oh. God. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I got up and I started praying and I said, it was the most incredible feeling I've yeah. ever had in my life. Yeah. Because I just didn't want her to cross over alone. Mm-hmm. So I asked for anyone who I knew mm-hmm. to please come and help her. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the energy mm-hmm. just completely change. Yeah. My knees were literally knocking. <laughs> I was mesmerized. And a little nervous and yeah. scared at the same time. Yeah. But it will be something I will carry for my entire life yeah. as the most incredible experience of my life of somebody dying. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I love that. And, you know, it was funny. I remember, I think I remember in the first podcast talking to Adrienne and asking whether or not she felt like people who lose their parents suddenly or people who it drags on what's harder. And you know what? That's something I thought about too. But when I saw what Mick went through, mm-hmm. it's like you really, both of them is a lose-lose. Yeah. Because yeah. the person dies. Mm-hmm. But seeing the suffering yeah. is so painful. Yeah. But the unexpected is painful too. Yeah. In a different way. In a different way. It's a completely different type of pain. You know, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer mm-hmm. and died two days later. Yeah. And he had just had a physical like five, six months before. So it got to his body and went throughout his body Mm -hmm. 
within that time frame. Yeah. It's, it's just, sometimes it's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the worst is when people go up and you go, you should be glad that it happened quickly. Really, fucker? How do you know? <laughs> well, you know, my most hated phrase to this day is, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yes. yes. You know, here's the thing. I get, I get why people say it. Because when I had an experience where someone I knew lost their child, I had no idea what to say. Yeah. I did not want to say the dreaded phrase, I'm sorry for your loss. But I also didn't know what the fuck else to say. Like, what do you say to that? Yeah. There's nothing you can say. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to acknowledge that I understood what had happened and I, you know, felt for them and I was sympathizing with them. But the truth is, like anything, even if you've gone through it, you have no idea what that's like for them. Yeah. And as someone, you know, like I said, I never expected to feel anything when old man died because I didn't, we weren't close. I, you know, had spent the last year of his life kind of avoiding him, <laughs> to be honest. I started sobbing. I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. I was divorced for this, from this man for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But there's still something. We created you. Yeah. You know, there's well, and that there was connection. that freedom feeling that we had to a certain extent. Oh, yes. We felt. But the first initial crying yeah. was... The sheer shock of it. Yes, very that. And, but later on, it was like, is it me or did you kind of feel a relief because yeah. we felt like, because we were the only family. quote unquote family yeah. that were in the same state. Mm -hmm. So we, we saw them and we, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And it felt like all of a sudden we were responsible, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it doesn't help that it, it didn't occur to me, at least, until very recently, within the past year and a half or so, maybe, um, that that was not a great time for me in general. Yeah. So when that happened, I was already kind of on the precipice mentally. Yeah. And then that hit and it was just like, oh, okay, so it's just everything coming at once. And it's still what? It's only been, what, two years, three mm -hmm. years? It's, it's still in the infancy. Well, but what I was saying was at the time when that happened, it was, I think, three months exactly, maybe even two months after I had just broken up with my first relationship ever. Yeah. That was two years long. Yeah. And that had already come on the heels of, you know, kind of just a lot of waves emotionally and mentally. I mean, that that relationship took a lot out of me. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. You know, as much as I loved them and, you know, whatever, it, it drained me emotionally. Oh, it yeah. really did. Yeah. Because my whole thing was worrying about them and not focusing on myself and my own feelings and my own emotions mm -hmm. and taking on all of their, you know, pain and emotions and everything yeah. else, which I don't recommend. That is not healthy. Do not do that. Learn from my mistake. But... You know, so that all happens. And I'd never properly grieved that relationship because I just felt like, well, I'm done with it and that's it. Yeah. And so I didn't deal with it at all. I just buried it as I always do. And then my father died and I'm burying that. Meanwhile, the job I'm in is slowly degrading my entire sanity. And 
uh, to make matters worse, I'm having to hear about people losing their parents every single fucking day. Captioning it, yeah. And I'm having people come up to me who knew him, who had a completely different experience of oh, him, telling me worst. how great he was, and, you're like, and oh, simultaneously okay. telling me how not 18 months after they lost their father, they lost their mother, because for some reason that's something people felt was necessary to tell me. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just, you know, it's everything is piling up and I'm not dealing with any of it. And so... And we have these personalities where people just say, oh, you look like a nice face. Mm -hmm. Let me just dump my life on you. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And, you know, being the Virgos we are, we We push that shit down. We just push that shit down. down. Yep. And eventually, <laughs> my brain was like, we're not doing this any we fucking more. overload. Yeah. Teen, it was just like, you know, I, I lost my marbles as it was. I enjoyed um, this. Thank you. So I just wanted to say... Just and if a there's any outro. ask or anything, we can definitely talk about another topic if anyone wants to talk about their experience of uh, oh, losing yeah. a parent, even if it's through divorce. Yeah. The one you, thing that people, and I find out talking from people mm-hmm. who parents went through divorce, mm-hmm. you have to mourn a divorce as well. Yes. I had to mourn the divorce with your dad. Mm-hmm. It's in its way. It's a death. It's a yeah. death of a relationship. Fully that. And it is, I will say as when I was going through my breakup and we didn't ever talk again, there was that feeling of like, it's like they're dead, but they're not. Yeah. It was a very strange experience. I remember at the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just wanted to do a quick outro. So, um, you actually can send in messages through the anchor app. You can either send in audio messages or you can comment. You can email me at, um, pod at narcissadeville.com. Um, that's one place you can get to me. You can pretty much get to me on any of the social medias. I think the social media for this is going to be, um, Twitter at dead dad's pod. <laughs> um, I think there's probably a dead dad's email somewhere. Um, I don't know if that's on my Twitter or anything right now, but anyway, thank you so much for joining me, mom. Um, this was You're very welcome. fun. This is very different. This is very interesting. Um, we definitely got off topic a lot and we will have to maybe have a agenda next time and sort of like plan things out a little bit better, but that's not really who we are. So hopefully we can figure it out, but, uh, thank you all so much for listening and, uh, yeah, tune in next week or not next week. Oh my God. I'm not (laughs) promising anything. Tune in next time to the dead dad's club. I promise I will not make it two years until the next one.